Welcome to The Bridge Online. No matter where you're worshiping from, we are so glad to have you with us. This week, Pastor Doug has another message for us. So grab your Bibles and let's dive in. Glad that you came, glad that you're with us. Um, it's an important morning, and of course the Lord knew what, what was going to happen and what it was going to be like today, and so uh, we, we trust in that. But today is, is important. We, we would, I would maybe call this today Vision Sunday, um, because I want to share some things with you. If you remember a few weeks ago, I told you that after the fast, um, we'd be sharing some exciting news. So I want to do that today, Amen. And uh, we're excited about, about this new year. We're excited about what God has been doing, and we're excited about what God is going to be doing. And so, again, I've got a sermon, so just stick with me for those of you that just get frustrated. But we're going we're gonna to get in the Word in a minute, but um, I want to share a couple of things with you. Amen? Are you, you, wanna, you are we ready? You want to hear some good news? So here's some good news. So, so let, me, let me do it this way. Let me just begin to share with you about the church in the last year as it's been. The last year has been an amazing year for Bridge of Hope Worship Center um, in a number of ways. Not just, not just spiritually. Spiritually, absolutely. People are, have been saved in 2022. Uh, of course, we've seen multitudes of baptisms. Um, we've watched as people have grown in their faith through small groups and, and, and through service and through just work. Like I know a lot of you are getting together and studying scripture. A lot of you are getting together in prayer. And through that, you're growing, you're maturing, which is so very important. But then there's the, the other aspect that we don't really necessarily focus on a lot, but it's important. It takes finances for churches to run. It take, we want to be a giving people, and so in order to give, you want money has to come in. And so this has been uh, the greatest financial year that the church has ever experienced. In fact, just going through the budget and doing all that end-of-year stuff and planning for the next year, um, every year for 13 years, um, we, I, we have the data for the last eight, for the last eight years, so I'll just use that. For the last eight years, the finances of the church have increased at least 6% every year. Last year, it increased 71%. Praise God. Amazing. 13 years, though, every year, the, the finances, including, including during a worldwide global pandemic, finances increased. So at some point, I'm not the sharpest guy, but at some point, you start looking at statistics, just numbers, not emotionalism, and going, whoa, wait a minute, maybe God's in this. <laughs> right, because if you want some backstory, there's no strategic planning, there was no strategic five-year plan, there was no, hey, I know how we're going to make finances grow 70% this year. If I did that, if I knew that plan, I probably wouldn't be here. I'm not going to lie. I would be a wealthy man. I would sell that to churches all over the United States, and I would be living in the Caribbean right now. There is no plan. There, we didn't say that. We don't, that's, we, we've never done that. The, the, the foundation of this is, without question, the blessing of God, but the foundation is a people who just humble themselves and pray. That's you. We saw the foundation of this this week, three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as over 250 people every night came to prayer meeting, to prayer meeting. First time I've ever seen that in my life. Praying, seeking God, pursuing him for direction, and you're doing that. So long story short, it's been a, it's been a very blessed season. So this, the title of my sermon this morning is going to be the response 
of a blessed people. We're going to talk about that, okay? That's going to be the sermon. But I want, to do, I want to do two things before we get into the depth of the response of a blessed people. The first thing I want to do is to um, announce to you that in 2023, we will break ground and build a home on our campus for women who need transitional living. We are going to be partnering with City of Refuge and House of Cherith, and they will run the ministry portion, including underwriting all of the cost of that ministry, which is amazing. So what we're going to do is we're going to build the facility. We're going to build the building. It's going to be your asset. Okay, this, I'm going to just stay with me on this. It's going to be your asset. It's going to be the church's asset. The church is going to build the building, the house. And then, and then we're going to partner with, with House of Cherith, Bruce and House of Cherith, and they are going to run all ministry of that. They're going to, in fact, they're going to underwrite all of the cost. They, they're going to cover. So you're not going to be, only thing you're covering is the building. That's a lot. Now, I'm not, asking, I'm not acting like that's not a lot. It's going to be a lot. It's a lot of money. Um, but you're not going to do ongoing operations for that building, which is an amazing partnership. So that means starting very soon, hopefully by 2024, you're, we're going to have six to eight women on campus that are going to be experiencing healing, transformation, restoration through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Come on. That's exciting. And, and so this is, this is not, this, some of you were here just a few, you were here in November in your birth. That, it didn't come from there. That, that was all, that was all, like we have been, the church and the leadership of this church have been praying and seeking God about doing a home for ladies for at least five years. And, and things just have not materialized. In fact, what really didn't materialize is we just didn't, know, we didn't know how to do it. We know, we know, we can, we can handle getting the building done. But we didn't know how to run the ministry, and we're not qualified to run the ministry. That's the reality. And so as, as things begin to ha happen, and Bruce just is like, well, let us run it. We'll do it. We'll, we'll make you an, an affiliate, and, and we'll partner together. And we say, that's easy. That makes sense. Let, we'll do what we can do, and then you do what you do, right? And so when that started to come to fruition, it became pretty clear. And we've been praying about it now for quite some months. And, uh, and so we wanted to go through prayer, or through prayer, the season of prayer and fasting, just to make sure the Lord didn't say at the last minute, no, I, I, I was just kidding. I really didn't want you to do that. And he didn't. It's, we're full speed ahead. Amen. And so look forward to that this year on this campus. What an amazing, tremendous opportunity it is for us to make impact for the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody say amen one more time. The second thing that I want to announce today is we are going to be um, we are going to be putting a new outreach director in place, and uh, that person is going to oversee our, our outreach. And so when I took over as senior pastor, I felt like God just gave me a very simple plan. It's very simple. It's, I think it's biblical. It's not new revelation. It's not going to seem very revolutionary to you. But he basically said, build the church on three pillars, three foundations, and that is evangelism, discipleship, and outreach. Teach your people to share the gospel Teach them and equip them in who they are in Christ. That's discipleship, spiritual growth. And make sure you're reaching out, making an impact in your community, especially affecting the, the marginalized in your community. But outreach is, is, has three prongs. There's, there's local, there's national, and then there is what we would say international, right, if you, if you think about it. And so that, that is based off of what Jesus said to the disciples. You're going to go to Judah, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part. So 
Judea and Jude, uh, was that that was local. You're gonna you're gonna minister in Jerusalem. You're gonna minister outside of Jerusalem, and then this thing's gonna spread international. And so we use that as our model for outreach, for missions, and for things that we do outside of this church. And so. So outreach will be included in all of those areas. So this morning, I'm excited to announce that Corey and Jessica John are going to take over as outreach directors. Corey and Jessica, why don't you come? Give them a hand as they get ready to come. I want to show them, show you who they are. Come on, give them, give them a hand. They're nervous this morning about coming up in front of everybody. I feel like I feel like these two may be the reason why it snowed like this today because. They're like, oh, we got to get in front of the whole church. And then now here we got kind of a smaller crowd. So it worked out for you, didn't it? Yeah. Listen, we have been talking and, and praying together and planning for this. And I'm telling you, they are stuffed full of ideas, fresh vision, fresh ideas. Um, they're like horse races, just like at the gate ready to take off. And so we're excited because our plan this year is to put far more emphasis on outreach than, we, than even than we have been as a church in, in the past. So we're looking forward to doing that, all right? So why don't you do this? Why don't you stand with me? We're gonna pray over, over Corey and Jessica. We're gonna ask them to continue to be, to be blessed with ideas, plans. Here's, here's the difficult thing about outreach. Um, if, if, we opened, if we opened an open discussion this morning and said, what do you think we should do? There'd be 500 ideas in this church right now for outreach, and they'd probably all be good. We can't do 500 things. We, can't do fi- we, don't wanna, we don't wanna do 500 things marginally well or even poor. We wanna do a few things really well for the kingdom of God. Are you with me? And so, so we're talking about that and we're saying, okay, God, what, what can we do as a church to make true impact? Um, we're not talking about starting new ministries. We're not gonna be starting new ministries because that just bogs the church down. But, but what we are going to be doing is providing outlets for you, all of you, to be, to be engaged in ministry, to be engaged in outreach. So, so, so that's what outreach should look like. It's, it's the church collectively going outside of the walls of the church and doing stuff that the community notices and says, wow, those people care. Those people are engaged. Those people don't just come together on Sunday morning inside that building. We don't have any idea what they're doing. We know there's a lot of cars in the parking lot, but we have no idea what they're about or what they do. No, 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 that's gonna change. They're gonna know what you and I are about that we're about loving Jesus and loving people. We're about loving the kingdom of God and doing our best through the power of Christ to make our community better, to make our community a place that, that, that is, is growing and maturing right in their understanding of spirituality. That's our responsibility. We're, we're, we're the, watchmen's on the watchmen on the wall in this community, and so what an honor that is. That's what outreach is gonna be as we move forward, amen? Come on, reach, lift, lift this way. Father, we thank you, God, for faithful men and women, for folks that are willing to step out and begin to do the work that you've placed on their heart. And I thank you today that you've called Corey and Jessica into this ministry. I thank you that you're giving them ideas, but we pray that you'd give them God ideas, that you'd give them clarity, that, Lord God, that you'd give them favor as they just begin to go forward in all of these endeavors that they have on their heart We pray, Lord God, that as a church, collectively, we would be engaged and making true change in our community, that we would be doing, as as Lord, we've been called to do, to make a difference, 
I pray that, Lord God, you'd raise us up to be making a difference all throughout southeast Indiana and even as, as it would reach nationally and then even internationally as we go into missions and everything else. Lord, we thank you for this. Help us to stay in line with your heart, to stay in line with your word, to not be distracted, but to stay in line with the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you now, guide us direct us, lead us, that Christ would be honored, that Jesus would be glorified. Bless this couple, we pray in the work. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now hang on. The reason I wanted to bring them up and I wanted them to see you, because they're going to be coming to you a lot of times because you're the ones that have to make it work. Is that right? They're, so you're going to be seeing their face a lot. Don't get frustrated with them. And don't get angry because they, they're going to be recruiting a lot going into the year. Give them some time, but they're going to. Amen? Come on, give them a hand. Thank you. You can be seated. So exciting stuff. We're excited about what's going to be going on. And so this morning, I feel like the Lord put it on my heart. Talk to the people about the proper response because they are a blessed people. That's the reality this morning. You are a blessed people. This is a blessed church. And even though some of you are going through difficult trials, even in your trials, you have to understand this morning that you are a blessed individual because God uses even your trials to refine your faith. So it doesn't matter. You may be sitting here this morning and say, I don't feel very blessed. Blessing and the favor and blessing of God is not a feeling. Amen? And so even if you're going through the fire, even if you're going through difficult season, God is using it to make you a better individual. In fact, he's going to use it to draw you closer to him. Some of you, if you had it good, you'd never serve the Lord. And so the Lord loves you so much that he makes it hard on you. That's the truth. You don't want to admit that, but that's the reality. And so even in your trials, God is refining your faith and blessing you. Now, folks, it's not hard to look around here and see the collective blessing of God. We've started talking about a few of them. Let me just go over them really quick. I just wrote a few things down. Our attendance is very healthy. We have young and old in our midst, which is a mark of a healthy church. Right? Whenever a church begins to focus on a specific demographic, that's, that's a problem. And I want you to know that, that, that there are some church growth seminars and teachings that suggest this is what they say, search out, search out young families. Then they'll even go further. The ones that are really bold will say, search out uh, young, wealthy families to build your church. I thank God that we've never done that and that God, as he's seen fit to send people in, have sent in old, have sent in young, have sent in middle age. He's sent in poor, he's sent in wealthy, he's sent in educated, he's sent in uneducated, uneducated because that is a picture of the kingdom of God. And we've been blessed in that, in, that, uh, in that realm. We have gifted leaders. We have faithful volunteers. There is an abundance of gifts and talents here in this place. Would you agree? Including as we watch two young people that are able to get up and just nail it with worship. Right? We have youth ministry and a youth worship band that is loaded with talent. We have people that can sing, that can play, that can teach, that can, that can do administration work, that can do accounting. We have gifts and talents in abundance in this place. Some, many, this is the reality. This is why outreach is going to be important. Many gifts and talents sitting right here in the congregation we haven't even tapped into yet. Amen. 
There are gifts and talents in this congregation that we haven't even tapped in yet. And what we're telling you about with outreach is that we're coming. We're coming for your gifts and talents so that you can begin to use them in a powerful way through the church. The church, this church is unified. I want you to understand that. We've been talking about that quite a bit lately. And the reality is there is a unity here that is a blessing from God. And, and I believe what you're watching is the commanded blessing that's spoken about in Psalm 133. If someone were to ask me, what are, what are the, some of the keys to the church being successful? I would tell you that it is the unity of the believers. You, you, you guys, you guys, I see you. I watch, you're all, you hang out after service. You hang out before service. You like each other. That's, that, that sounds funny. That's not happening in churches all over. Thank God for that. I am telling you right now, this morning, you better guard that unity with everything in you. Because the Bible is clear that when there's a blessing, God says, I'll command, or when there's unity, I will command a blessing there. When there's disunity and discord and gossip and infighting and bickering, not only will he not give a blessing, God says, I hate that. I hate that. And he says this, a house divided will fall. That's how important it is. Now, it's vital. It's absolutely vital. You're going to get offended. Somebody in this church is going to offend you. They're going to say something to you. They're going to act the way you don't think they should. It's a reality. It is a reality. But mature believers are able to look past those things. And then when they're small and when, they're, when they need to be addressed, they address them in a biblical manner. They follow Matthew 18. They go to somebody. They share with, with a heart for reconciliation, with a heart and a desire to get things right. And I believe that that is happening in this congregation. It has to be. And, and God is blessing this church because of it. It is the commanded blessing of the Father. The fin financial status of the church, as we've talked about, is nothing short of a financial miracle. You know that. If you're visiting here, I want you to understand, we don't talk, I don't talk a lot about finances. I'm going to tell you why. I, I don't, I, and I've shared this with a number of people, I've shared this with a number of pastors. I don't talk a lot about finances and I don't do a lot of sermons about giving and financial blessing and tithing and all of that. Not because I don't believe it's in the scripture. It is throughout the Bible. It is, it is from cover to cover in the scripture. It's because when you're having 70% growth and you're not doing it, my thing is, I'm not touching that. I'm just being honest. I'm just, I'm being dead honest with you. I'm being completely transparent. I'm going like, why, why would I mess with what God's doing? Why, why, why would I come along and try to act like, oh, it's my teaching. I've taught the people. I'm like, nope, God's doing this. I'm staying out of that one. I'm not even touching that area. And, and, and obviously, there are people that are growing and maturing, and you're learning through your own study, through your own understanding, through your own, there's a generosity. That's what happened in the book of Acts, by the way. No one taught the early church that, you know, you must give, you must do this. You know what happens? The Bible says that they all came together, there was unity, and out of that unity and love for God and love for each other, they became generous. Generosity was a mark of the early church. Think about that for a moment. And here we are, we have, we have unity, and out of the unity, there just is this natural growth of generosity. It's the most generous church I've ever, this is the most generous church in America. I don't, I, I don't have any statistics to prove that, but I'm telling you it's the most generous church in, in America. 
This, this year, we were able to give $200,000 for missions, local, national, and internationally. Somebody ought to shout amen. $200,000. $200,000 just just giving away in missions, helping, helping poor. The, you know what missions is. Local, national, and international. Our food just distribution, I just found out this, this week, our food distribution is among the largest in our area with hundreds of families benefiting. And I had to do the math. I had, I had, to, I had to question. And so, in fact, Gleaner says that we are, we are the largest food distributor in all of Indiana in equal with inner city at Indianapolis. That's how much food we're giving away. We're feeding the entire county and counties around us. Come on, somebody. The reality is when we gather, we are blessed to feel the presence of God in this place. The greatest blessing of all. That when we gather and we begin to worship, there is a presence of Christ that's in this house that is not in every house. But in this house, the presence of God is here. What an honor and a joy that that is. What a privilege that the presence of Christ would be in our midst when we worship. Souls are being saved. People are being baptized. Believers are being equipped. There is growth in the faith that's happening. All of this is just, this is just, I'm just touching the surface because I don't want to spend too much time. But the reality is every bit of this comes from the God and Father above from whom all blessings flow. Let's do it one more time as a church. Let's thank him and give him praise this morning. And so the question comes. It's an obvious question. What should our response be? What should the response of a blessed people be? I want to show you something in Exodus chapter 12 because, because here's where I want to start. I'm going to show you what the response must not be first. Okay? And then we're going to get to what the response is. This isn't going to be very long, so just relax. Exodus chapter 12. First thing, what is the, this is the question we're asking ourselves. Okay, I hear this, and man, pastor's right. You don't have to be, like, you just don't have to come here very long to realize there's something special from God. And, and, and so an honest person will say, well, why? And the next, well, what's my response to this? Would you agree? Would you agree? And so we're going we're gonna to say, first we're going to ask, we're going to say this. What, what, this is what it must not be. Exodus chapter 12, starting at verse 31. No, that's not right. There is no 1231. Oh, wait. Yeah, wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong book. I'm in Genesis. I got, you got to be in Exodus. <laughs> Exodus 12. There is a 31. That's a really bad feeling when you're, when you're a preacher and you look and you say the verse and there's no 31. Exodus chapter 12, verse 31. You know the story. Come on, let's just read it together. Then he called for Moses and Aaron, this is Pharaoh, by night and said, Rise, go from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go to serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks, your herds, just as you have said. Be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we're going to all be dead if you don't leave. That's what they're saying. Um. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, 
and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they had requested. They plundered the Egyptians. Now understand, this is for, for those who don't understand. The children of Israel have been in slavery to the Egyptians for 400 years. So, so that means every single person that we're talking about from the time they were born until this moment in their life has known nothing but slavery. That's all they've ever known. They've always lived under the heavy hand and the bondage of being a slave to the Egyptians. And of course, you know the story. God raises up a deliverer. Moses comes and the plagues and all of that happen. And we're at the end. We're at the moment where Pharaoh says, enough is enough. I'm done. I cannot, I, I give up. I yield. God, God breaks this powerful leader to release the people of God to, to go on now and to go into their own land, right? And so, so what happens though is God gives Moses and he says, because they're going to need stuff, right? They're going to need, they have nothing. They're slaves. And so how are they going to have stuff, right? How are they going to have this stuff? Now, now it's estimated that you know, millions of people we're talking about that are in slavery that are going to be leaving. How are, how are they? They've been slaves. They've not, they own nothing. They have no, they have no fun. And so this is what he says. He says, ask the people of Egypt. I got a feeling that if you ask them, they're going to give you whatever you want. <laughs> and, and so God has a way of, of getting wealth into the hands that it needs to be in. And so, so they ask. The Bible says they ask. And the Egyptians are like, take it all. Take everything. What more years? Here's gold. Here's the silver. Here's the money. Here's the ring. Take it all. Take everything. Just leave. Please. And so now in a moment, in an instant, they go from slave to millionaires. They go, they, go, they go from slavery, having nothing, to abundantly blessed. They did nothing to earn it. Would you agree? They didn't earn it. They didn't work for it. They, they, are, they are literally blessed by God in a moment, overnight, and they have all of this material wealth in an instant, right? And so they're leaving, man. They're, they're leaving. They're like the Jeffersons. They're moving on up. Would you agree? Okay. Now, jump with me. To Exodus chapter 32. You know the story. You know what ends up happening. They go, of course, to the Red Sea. God parts the sea. All of the amazing story. Everything's, everything's going good. Exodus chapter 32 and starting at verse 1. Let's read it together. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed his coming down from the mountain and the people gathered together to Aaron. So, so here's what's going on. God has summoned Moses to Mount Sinai to speak to him and to give him ultimately the Ten Commandments, right? And so Moses, their leader, is gone. Their spiritual leader, their spiritual head is out of the, he's out of the picture. He's on the mountain. He's receiving from God the Ten Commandments. And while he's gone, the people go to the second in charge, Aaron, Moses' brother, and he says, come, make us gods, little g, that shall go before us for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't even know what's become of him. We don't even know where he's at. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. And so all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool tool and made a, gold, a molten calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel. He's the one that brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
And Aaron saw it and he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose up early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Do you understand what's happening? They wouldn't even have had gold if God didn't give it to them. But the gold that God gave to them by his favor and strictly out of his blessing is now becoming a curse. Because they're willing to take what God has given them and fashion it into a false image and a false idol and worship around it. And even declare, even go so far as to declare, this is what brought us out of Egypt. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine the, literally, so here's the reality. A blessing from God can quickly turn into a curse if we're not careful. You see, the people begin to turn away from God, the one who blessed them. They, they begin to look at, at all that they had and they begin to turn this, their worship into the, they were worshiping the blessing. And I'm here to tell you as your pastor, God forbid, God forbid that in this church, you and I go down the road of worshiping the blessing and forget about the God who brought us to where we are. God forbid. Somebody say amen and stand with me on that. You don't have to literally stand. You think you're above it? I'm not, okay, I, gotta, I shouldn't point my finger when I do that. You think you're above it? You think we're above it? You think we're better than the children of Israel? You think that, that this is not a temptation for us? I'm here to warn you. It is an absolute temptation because human nature hasn't changed. And if you and I are not careful, we'll find ourselves doing the same thing. Churches th throughout church history have done it. They start out humble. They start out needy. They have great prayer meetings. They cry unto God. God begins to bless them. And then they just, they just lose their mind. And before you know it, they're, look at our program. Look how many we did. We serve more people than anybody in the county. I, know, I, I'm just, I just gave you the information earlier. Now I'm just bringing you back to reality. We're not going to spend all this year going, oh, we serve more people in the county than anybody. We gave $200,000 in missions. We're amazing. God loves us. We do so much. No other church does anything. Uh, we better not hear any of it. Do you see it? I know I'm being a little. Folks, I, listen to me. The reason is because I see it. I see it. I th it's like God himself is coming with a warning. And here's what I believe. Here's what I believe with everything in me. God's saying, I'll keep pouring if, if you'll stay humble. I'll keep pouring in. I'll keep blessing. I'll continue to bring growth. I'll continue to bring increase. But you better make sure that your people aren't dancing around a golden calf. Do you understand what I'm teaching you, Church of Jesus Christ, right here? And, and, and so we, we have to be careful. Folks, this, there are, there are we, we've all come from slavery. We've all come from spiritual bondage. None of us deserve what we have. And, and by the way, this is a collective sermon, but I, I would venture to say that some of, for some of you, this, this applies to your personal life. I, I think you should begin to look at it personally. Have you done the same thing? Have, have you experienced the blessing of God only to turn away and worship? That's what happens. Folks, this nation is in the situation that it's in because collectively as a nation, we've done exactly what Israel did. Let me explain. 
240 years ago, these, these ragtag, messed up rebels from Europe who decide we want to worship God the way we want to worship. We don't want to be told how to worship. And, and you know, folks, you know enough of history. England was like, just leave. Like, they gave them boats because they're like, we don't even want you. They were like, they were like the dregs of society. That's who came over on the Mayflower, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, the Mayflower. I know we don't teach that in school anymore, but that, whatever. They came, and as pilgrims, they had nothing. There was nothing. This nation is here today in the state that it's in because of the blessing of God. No one can argue that. Like, like you, you think about the history, like these weren't, these weren't the brightest men and the brightest women in the world. They were just, they were hungry to, to have a place of freedom to worship God. And God says, I'll bless that. I will bless that. And, and before you look, before long you look, and the nation just begins to grow and develop and mature and financially until where now we're, we've become the most powerful nation militar, militarily and the most powerful nation on the planet economically. And what is the response of a blessed people? You know what the response of this nation has been to God. We want to murder our children in the womb. We want to have sex with whoever we want to have sex with. We want to indulge and engage with whatever vice we feel like is right. We don't, you don't tell us what to do. You don't, you don't put borders. You don't put parameters. This book is antiquated and old. We have progressed. We have grown. And we are, no, we are just like they were. We are now dancing and worshiping the golden calf of prosperity, greed, blessing, materialism that God himself has given us. And the nation is crumbling because of it, right? Like it's, 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 it's the reality. And so the truth is this morning, blessing is far more dangerous than lack when it comes to spiritual health. Should you consider that? Blessing is, is more dangerous and more difficult to deal with than lack. Because here's the reality. You all know enough. When you lack, you pray. When you lack, you go, oh, I got to When you're sick, <laughs> when your baby's sick, you, you know there's an instinct in your heart. I'm going to cry unto the Lord. But when you're wealthy and healthy and blessed, mm, all of a sudden now, there's a lot of shiny objects grabbing your attention. True preaching. Right here is a great example. And history has multiple examples of it. So that's the first thing. That's what we're not going to do. Somebody say amen with me. It doesn't have to be this way. That's the great news. Even, even though there are great examples of this happening, including our nation as a whole, the truth is it doesn't have to, have to have this way, happen this way. But in order to guard it, here's what we have to do. We have to ask ourselves this question. Why does God bless his people? Right? Like that has to be, like you have to begin to say, wait a minute, hang on a minute. Is there a reason? Is this just, is, is this just out of the sky blessing? Is there a purpose? Because everything God does has purpose. Why would God bless Bridge of Hope Worship Center the way he has? Why does God bless his people? Here's the reality. God blesses us so that we can bless others. I'm going to say that again. God blesses us so that we can, ble- can bless others. You have been blessed so that you can be a blessing. 
And if you lose sight of that, you're in trouble. Individually and us collectively as a church. We have been blessed by God as a church so that we can continue and even increase the blessing of others. You see, the children of Israel forgot it. They, 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 they didn't understand it. Genesis chapter 12, that's where I was at first, but I'll turn there. You don't have to if you don't want. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is God creating a nation so that he can bless them. He says to a man by the name of Abram, later becomes Abraham, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Why? And you shall be a blessing. Do you see it? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Of course, the, the, the total fulfillment of that is the coming of the Messiah. But the reality is, if you study the history of the Jewish people as a whole, the Jewish people have probably brought more contributions to human civilization than any other, other group of people on planet earth. Why? Because God has blessed them to be a blessing. So, so if you're a Jew, this is instilled in you. Like you're taught this from the very early ages of childhood. You're blessed to be a blessing. God's favor is on your life. But, but they would be warned, like I would be warning you today. Be careful how you use it. Make sure you use it for the benefit of others. Make sure, make sure you're, the blessing that's upon you, make sure you're using it to bless others as well. Will you benefit in the course? Absolutely. Absolutely, you benefit in the course. But, but, but as long as you're blessing others, everything you have, that's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be taken care of. Right? Think of all the themes in the New Testament teaching that, that align with this clear reality where God says, I'm going to create a nation that I can pour into, but I'm going to raise them up and I'm going to teach them that it's important that they pour into others. So here's what God says all throughout, all throughout the Old Testament. It's, it's, it's really profound. We don't think it's that profound because it doesn't sound like it just with our English language. But he says this, even as, even as Israel then begins to develop and grow and become a powerful nation, he says through the prophets, he says, listen, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. That's this, that's this continual theme throughout the Old Testament. Well, he's, he's referring to the blessing. He's saying, I've carved you out. I've set you apart. I'm going to be your God. What does that mean? I'm going to provide for you. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be your source of provision. I'm going to be your source of strength. I'm going to be your source of protection. I'm going, to, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to teach you about my character and my nature. I'm going to teach you about my heart for the lost and the poor. I'm, I, I'm your God. And, and, and you're my people. That means what? You're going to set yourself apart so that I can, you're going to be a channel of my blessing. Because I don't just want to bless you. I want to bless everyone on the earth. I want to bless everyone. And, and the problem with the American mentality is when we think of blessing, we automatically think of money. The reality is money, in many cases, is really the curse. It's just a, it's a very small part of the whole thing. God, God, God's saying, I, I want to show you what I'm, what I'm able to do. And so this morning, God is going to bless anyone who's willing to obey, obey this commission. Anyone that's willing to represent him on the earth. And, and, and the truth is, Abraham serves as a prototype of the blessed people of God. We're, we're told that and taught that in Galatians. You don't have to turn there. You can. Galatians chapter 3. They'll put it on the screen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Galatians, start at verse 13. 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Why? That the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hang on a minute. So, so we don't have time. I would suggest to you a great Bible study would be to study the blessing of Abraham. Because right here in the New Testament, in reference to you who are Gentiles, the Bible says that through Christ, you have been given, you have been brought into, grafted into the blessing of Abraham. Does it say it? I'm not making this up. And so, so, so I'm just doing, I'm using simple math. I'm using simple theology. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you're going to bless others. Now, in Galatians, to the Gentiles, to the New Testament Christian church, he says, you're brought into the blessing of Abraham through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. Do you see it? If you do, say amen. Come on, put your hands together. And, the, and this blessing of Abraham, as we said, is multifaceted. It's, it's, it could be summed up, I guess, in one word. The Jews would sum it up in one word, and that word would be shalom. But for us, that, that's... The, the, the Hebrew language, of course, is much broader than English, and so the word shalom has a ton of meaning. It, and for example, it means to restore back into its right state. It, it, it speaks of well-being. It speaks of wholeness in, like, in all areas of life. It speaks of prosperity in multiple areas. Your health, your mental health, your finances, your family, your, your marriage. Like it, it speaks of blessing, right? We, we use one word. We use blessing. It's, it's, shalom speaks about peace in all areas of life. And today, God's saying, I want to bring shalom to you. I want to bring shalom into your life. But I want you to make sure, because here's what happened. It's inevitable. If you and I don't recognize that he wants to bring shalom into our life because, so that we can then bring shalom to others, you're going to become just like the children of Israel because that's what we do. We're, we're going we're gonna to become, become very self-focused. We're going to become very arrogant. We're going to become proud. That's who we are. That's what we end up doing. But if you'll recognize today that he wants to bless you so that you can bless others, now you can become a conduit of that blessing. And, and that needs to be the approach of this church. Folks, you have to understand, when you begin to understand this, now all of a sudden it changes the way you pray for the blessing of God, because I'm going to tell you this morning, starting this new year, you should be praying for God's blessing. You should be praying for shalom. You should be praying for prosperity over every aspect of your life. There's no shame in that. There's no harm. There's no wrong in that. If you're doing it with the right heart, if you're doing it with the understanding that I'm positioned in a place where God can bless me, I'll bless others. God, as you bless me, I'll bless others. I used... This is a terrible example, but I'll use, I'm going to use it anyway. That, when, I, when I was a little younger, maybe even now every once in a while, I see the, the lottery, and I think, you know, it's a billion dollars, and you know, God, I don't ever play. I've never bought a lottery ticket in my life, so it would really literally be a miracle. I've never bought a lottery ticket, and I don't suggest you should either, but don't you ever think, God, if you'd give me that billion, I'll bless people all around me. But you know what God sees through? A covetous heart, spiritual immaturity, 
foolishness, right? Look, here's the reality. If you're not willing to help the person at your job, you're not winning the lottery. (laughs) Quit. God sees right through it, right? Are you getting me? Like that kind of ends up being this, this, this mixed up, messed up view of this teaching, and, and I use it as an example because we've got to guard, that's what we've got to guard our hearts against. And so what we have to begin to do is not say, when you bless me, I'll do this. No, you don't wait until you get to, you're already blessed. You've already got everything you need. Start today. Start now. Start today on your way home when you go. Give a good tip. Bless the lady. Tell her she's doing an amazing job. Be kind to the, uh, to the attendant at the gas station. Be friendly to someone. Share with Christ. You've got the pearl of great price. You've got the greatest sermon and under, uh, testimony that anyone on planet earth has. Share it with the people around you. Start sharing now. God will take care of the blessing from there. Somebody say amen. But it's okay. There is a guy in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. He understood this. It's like he got it. His name's Jabez. You know the story. You know the prayer of Jabez. And so Jabez kind of understands this whole teaching, it appears. We don't know a lot about him. He's done in scripture very many times. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 9, this is what Jabez says. It says that he was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother... And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. So in other words, this guy's name means pain. Or maybe it means pain in the backside. How would you feel if your mother called you, that was your name? You got, you, got, you know, this guy, and then this guy, and, this guy, and then here's pain. Pain in my side. That was Jabez. That's his, that's his upbringing. But something connects with Jabez, and Jabez calls on the God of Israel, and he says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And God granted him what he requested. Think about this for a minute. Because we, we, we maybe we'll skim over that if we're not careful. Jabez, circumstances are not good. That's the likelihood of why that's there in the ninth verse, is to let us know, like, he was kind of raised with a curse, so to speak, over his life. You're a, you're a pain. You've caused me pain. Can you imagine that? If you just every day, and you're just, your, your mom is saying, like, man, you were such a pain. You are a pain. Maybe you had parents that way that would just tell you, you're a pain. You're such a troubled kid. You, you, things are so much difficult with you. Can you imagine that? Like that weighs on your psyche, on your mentality, on how you view the world, how you see yourself. But something connected with David. The Bible doesn't tell us what it is. And, and the other brothers, to our knowledge, don't pray this prayer. There's no one else around him that the scripture highlights that's praying this prayer. But this man knows. He distinctly says, wait a minute. I know what I was taught. I'm a Jew. I'm of the seed of Abraham. I have been, God wants to bless me. And God wants to bless me so that I can be a blessing. And he, he got it. And so this morning, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how difficult of an upbringing you've had. It doesn't matter, you know, like how many times you failed. If you're on the right track now, you can begin today praying for the blessing of God. Notice what he begins to say. He says, enlarge my territory. Do you know what that means? That's, it's my ability to help others. Give me a greater ability to help others. Enlarge my territory. He he says, cause your hand to be with me. In other words, guide me. Folks, God is not going to guide you into sin. 
God is not going to guide you into the deceitfulness of riches. God is not going to guide you into greed. God is not going to guide you into materialism. Are you with me? No. He's going to guide you, most likely, he's going to guide you to the hurting, to the lost, to the broken, to the needy, the people that he cares about on the earth, the people that he wants to see transformed. And, and Jabez is praying this. And then lastly, he says, I don't want to cause pain. I don't want to be a source of pain in people's lives. I think what he's saying is, I want to alleviate pain. And so right here in this little short one verse of scripture, we see this, this person who's willing to say, I get it. I know why God blesses us. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And then he begins to pray these prayers. He, it, it begins to give us an example and, a guide, and guidance on how we as a people individually and how we as a church are going to move forward. Are you, do you agree? If you agree, say amen. All right, we're going to close with one verse. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. And we are going to close, I promise. And so here's what, so you say, like, you did all of that. What's the, give me the response. Here's the response. There are three, what I, what I view as three proper responses to God's blessing. Number one, it's gratitude. Church, we, please, I'm saying all that I'm saying today to hopefully encourage you to be full of gratitude to God for what he's done. We should, we must be full of gratitude, both for what he's done for you personally and for what he's done to, uh, for us collectively. Would you agree? Gratitude is important. When, when you look around and you see with your eyes the blessing of God, some of you that you look at your children, some, some of you have children in this room that you were told you would never have. We, our third son was told that he should be aborted because there wasn't enough fluid, whatever that is, in there. And if he was, if, if we, he did get born, he'd have major Down syndrome and he should be aborted. That's what, he was told, that's what she was told. And they said, well, we're going to test every whatever month, I guess. And she did it once, she did it twice. She said, no more. You're not testing anymore. We'll trust God and it's in God's hands. This kid is not, a, not a, by the way, he has never gotten less than an A on a report card since he went to school. Never. Straight A's. In fact, his last report card as a freshman, he had one A, everything else was A+. He never studies. The boy is lazy as could be. That's another issue. <laughs> He's starting varsity on the basketball team, leading the team in scoring. He's killing it in life. But we were told that he should be aborted. Are you with me? We have a lot to be thankful for you do too don't you so, so you all of a sudden you start looking around and it's not just the money in your bank yes that's included but it's what god has done the number one response of a blessed people must be gratitude and acknowledgement and giving god the praise number two there should be a faith and a boldness to even ask for more just like jabez did because, because here's what you learn is that God never designed for you to live on yesterday's blessing. God wants to give you a blessing for today. It's amazing when you consider it. Like I've been, and some of you, some of us do that. We're like, oh, I've been blessed enough. I don't need any more. I'm not saying that. I'm like, I've been blessed abundantly, but I know the storehouse of heaven 
is not dry. It's not empty. There's plenty more for this. And so I want everything you've got for me for today. And then tomorrow I'm going to ask for the same. That's why Jesus said, pray, give me this day my daily bread. So the proper response of a blessed people is faith to continue, boldness to continue to ask for more. And then number three is found in Luke chapter 12, and we're going to close. Come, come, because I'm rambling. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 35. I'm going to read this. We're going to let the scripture speak. This is Jesus teaching, and you'll get it. This is the third response. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return. return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Let me just stop you right there. This was, this was, this was, this was, crazy teaching for Jesus. They would have understood this. Here's what happens. The bride, the bridegroom, the man would go out to get his bride and they would do the whole ceremony. And then, and then what would happen is his servants would be back at the homestead preparing for that moment when, when husband and wife for the first time enter into the house. You know how we, they used to, the husband would carry the wife through the threshold. It was like this significant. And so for the, for the Jewish wedding, it was all of the servants would prepare everything so it would be just right and be perfect. And it had to be right because that was a, that was a very pivotal moment, right? The bridegroom is bringing, she, he's bringing his bride for the first time. The dishes have to be done. The, 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 the house has to be clean. The food on the table. I mean, it's got to be right. And, and sometimes they didn't know because they didn't have cell phones and they didn't have text ahead and let me know you're on the way. It was, you be ready at all times because you know where he went. You know where he went and you know he's coming back. So you be ready. But here's the crazy thing is in a traditional Jewish wedding, what would happen is all of those servants would then serve the bride and the groom. But according to Jesus, he says, I'm gonna reverse the tables Here's what you are supposed to do. Be ready and be watchful. Be active. Be engaged in what I've called you to do. And if you are, when I come back, I'm going to sit you down and I'm going to serve you. Is that what he says? Jesus is going to come back and serve people who are responding properly to the blessing that's been given to them. He says, and it might, it might not be the first watch. That, so these were like increments of three hours. It might not be the first watch. It might not be the second. It might be the third. You never know. Therefore, be ready. Verse 40. Be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not expect. I didn't read verse 39. But know this. If the master of the house had come, uh, had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. This is the proper response of a blessed people. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable to us or to all people? And he said, who is it then that is a faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them the poor? Blessed is that servant 
whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Why are we having outreach, pastor? Why are we spending, why are you bugging me so much about outreach? Why, why do you want me to help the community? Why do you want me to feed? Why do you want me to go to El Salvador? And why do you want me to do a mission trip? Why do you want me to, why are we gonna help six women that, that, to be transformed? Why are we doing this? Why, why, why? here's why. Because I wanna make sure that when Jesus comes back, he catches you all busy doing what he's called you to do and what he's blessed you to do you gotta we gotta be busy doing what God not for our salvation but because of our salvation that's what he says blessed is everyone who who I'll find doing when I come but if that servant says in his heart listen my master is delaying his coming and that's the temptation that we're in right now we're delayed. Everybody preach about second coming of Jesus. That's not going to ever happen. If, if you say in your heart, my master delays his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. That's, to me, an image of, of a whole bunch of the church, unfortunately, today. Bickering, gossiping among each other, tearing ministries down, destroying each other, working against each other, eating, drinking, Marrying, just going on, living life, not caring about the kingdom of God. That's an image. That's what he says, if this happens, and he says, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will, and did not prepare himself, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed the same thing shall be beaten with few stripes. For here it is. Here's the verse that's burned in my spirit all week that I pray the Holy Spirit will burn in your consciousness all week and all year. Put it on the screen. You see it. Do you see it? See the second half? See what it says? To whom much has been given, much is required. And I don't know of a people that has been given more than us. And while we rejoice and while we praise God, church, we're going to do that for today, but starting tomorrow, we're going to get busy. I said, we're going to get busy. We're going to see more people saved this year than we've ever seen. We're going to help more people. We're going to give more money. We're going to raise, we're going to build buildings that help people. We're not for our own benefit. We're going to, we're going to do things. Everything that we do strategically, every dollar we spend is strategically designed. Let me just share this with you. Come on, stand up quickly. But what we're going to do is going to be focused on expanding the kingdom of God because to whom much is given, much is required. I did some research, and you know this. It's always been this way. If you want to know our financials and your financial, come. Get, you can get a, come to the office. They'll give you whatever you want. Nothing's hidden. I just don't spend my time on the pulpit sharing it, but I will share this with you. <clears throat> the average... For churches our size, uh, 500 to 750, that's our range. The average church 
spends 49% of its budget on salary. We spend 23%. The average church has one salaried employee for every 52 congregants. Ours is one for every 100 and 113 or 15 or something. The average church in America spends 25% on its budget to operate the church. We spend 10. That's why we're so bold with finances. We have nothing to hide. We are, we are bare bones when it comes to the stuff that really is important, by the way. Like, we're going to adjust some of those numbers. are going to get adjusted because I'm wearing some people to death. But whatever. We're, but here's what I'm telling you. I'm t- what I'm telling you is, and you need to know this, when you give, more of your money goes directly to the work than than most every church in America. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, that's not a bragging. I'm just telling you. I'm just being honest with you. I'm being very upfront. I'm giving you real numbers. And so what you're going to need to do as we go in, you're going to have to continue to be generous. In fact, you're going to have to up your generosity because it's going to take, it's not used to, it was thousands of dollars. I remember when it was a th- thousands of dollars for us. You remember that? Then it became hundreds of thousands. Now it's million. Just gonna tell you. But here's the, what we're gonna do. We're gonna build the house. We're gonna add an addition for our children's church, completely debt free. Completely debt free. You say, ah, oh, you can't get to do that. We already have. Listen, we already have the first million dollars to do it right now. It's gonna take more than that. Don't get all excited. We need to raise the rest of the money. It's going to take a lot of extra money. It's going to take six hundred to eight hundred thousand more dollars to get it done. There's no reason we can't do it, and we're going to do it in this year. We're going to get it done, and it's going to be for the glory of God because Jesus is coming soon, and when He comes, He's going to find this church doing. Come on, somebody, say Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Let's sing this song to Jesus. Let's tell Him how much He's been good to us. Go ahead, little girl, sing it. Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on. Lift your hands. Just thank him for all that he's done. How good he's been. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you did, make sure you like and share on social media to help spread God's word. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge or if you'd like to give, you can go to our website at thebridge129.org. Again, thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.